Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor Tim Barone at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Well, grace and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Let's open up to Romans chapter 8. And I'll read our text for today, which is uh, verses 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. This is God's holy word. Well, we've been uh, kind of in the middle of this conversation in Romans, uh, talking about the struggle or the the lived reality now that we are in Christ. And so the beginning of the book was all about our inability to accomplish the law, right? And then Christ is the one who steps in and accomplishes that law for us. Thanks be to God, right? We have this, we are justified by faith in Christ, a righteousness revealed. And then we began to talk about the reality of what it means to be living uh, as a redeemed person, as a saved person, and talking about the struggle of sin. And so, just as a little bit of a reminder, in chapter 6, Paul gives this instruction. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so we have been saved to walk in newness of life, right? To walk away from sin and to walk with the Lord Christ. In Romans 7, however, it's not so easy, right? Paul goes through all of this difficulty of going back and forth uh, between loving God, but also not doing what God says, loving the law, and yet always transgressing against the law, 
right? Wanting to do something and not doing it, and not wanting to do something and doing it, right? So he, he realizes this internal struggle has been happening in him, as, even as a Christian, that he's still struggling with his sin. And so he concludes with this. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this uh, conversation that we will have today kind of uh, finishes that thought. And so it is that we are in Christ, that we have been saved by faith alone. Uh, and we are not to then go on sinning, right? God forbid. And yet we struggle day in and day out with our sin. We're pushed around by our sin. We're mastered by sin in our flesh. But thanks be to God, he has saved us through Jesus Christ. Even now, we still need a savior. Um, but now, this is the next statement. Uh, I'm sorry, let's re remind ourselves of this. Uh, Paul says this, So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is the last uh, piece before our text for today. Look, what, I want you to see what he's saying here uh, in verse 25. He says, I myself serve the law of God with my mind. Um, all, all through Romans 7, he's been going back and forth. I do this, I do this. But here he kind of emphasizes there's a true self. Um, I am a sinner, right? I am sold under slavery. My flesh, I serve the law of sin. But I myself serve the law of God with my mind. He says, there is a conflicting self in me. There's a nature that hates God and doesn't want to do what God says, but there's a nature that has been created new in Christ that does love God, does love his law. And he says, that is my true self, right? He emphasizes, I myself. And I think this helps us to understand our own situations, right? As Christians, we have a true self. Uh, the true self is that person that God has created in you in baptism. That's the person that will last into eternity. That's the person that God will raise from the dead on the last day. There is a true identity, a permanent identity that God has given to you in your baptism as he has saved you. And yet there's a false self, there's an imposter, there's the old sinful nature that still is hanging on to you. It's the old Adam, drowned in baptism, turns out he's a pretty good swimmer. Took swimming lessons, right? That self is still hanging around and you can't quite just shrug it off. But that is no longer your true self. That is a sinful person that will not last into eternity. That is the sinful self that will end in death and not be raised. And so there's this distinct distinction that's going on between myself and my sinful self. The true self is the self that God has created. That's who you truly are. That's your true identity. And so he goes on to say this in our text for today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's probably no greater words written. <laughs> There's this reality that we're going to struggle with sin. We're going to be upset. We're going to fall into temptation. 
Uh, we're going to make huge mistakes. We're going to blow up our lives. We're going to tear down our families. Sometimes we just need to hear these words. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As you are in Christ, right, as you are in the battle, as he has covered you in his righteousness, these things no longer condemn you. And we often just need to remind ourselves of this. We need to hear it again and again. Because maybe we have been ruled by our sins. We've been ruled by our lusts. We've been overtaken by our sinful natures. And we just need to hear this word of assurance that you are not condemned in Christ. Or just sin has caused us to drift away from God's word, right? We haven't listened. We've forgotten his ways. We've forgotten his promises. We've begun to think it is our, up to our efforts, right? And we're always falling short. And we just need to be reminded, right? Uh, like a dementia patient, God still loves you. There is no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. Remember who you are in Christ. Hold on to these promises. Or maybe just the reality of, of sin impacts our lives. When we recognize uh, our mortality, we recognize the sorrows of this life, we recognize that we still live with the curses of sin and the consequences of sin, and it just beats us up. And we have sorrow because our friends or our family have died and we don't see a way through. And we just need to be reminded there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. That God has done all that is necessary to save you and so you will not be condemned because of these things. And so... We need to remind ourselves of this reality a lot. Can you read this with me? I am in Christ. I am in Christ. This is how we recognize ourselves. I am in Christ, and therefore I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fall down. I'm not going to be miserable. I'm not going to allow my sin to rule and reign over me. I'm not going to let it drive me to despair. I'm not going to despair of my faith because I am in Christ. That's enough. It's sufficient. I have been entered into his life. Uh, Martin Luther said, When the devil tells me that I am a sinner, he comforts me greatly because Christ died for sinners. Right? As we recognize our sin, as we admit our sins, and the devil accuses us of our sins, we say, Yeah, I am a sinner. But I am a sinner in Christ. And therefore, there is no condemnation for me. The, the moment that we look to, right, is our baptisms, just as Romans 6 tells us. We have been crucified with Christ. We were buried with him in our baptisms so that we would be raised with him too. And so we remember our baptisms to remember who we are. And so can I have this for us to remember? <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of, we can always remember our identities in Christ because of our baptisms. There was a time, a definitive day, a place where water and word were spoken over you. People, you were there. People were there. There was witnesses where God claimed you and named you as his own. It happened. It's not in your head. This was a gift. 
And you did not earn it. And so you can't mess it up. There is therefore no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. These sins, these selfishness, these lusts, this unbelief, these sorrows, this loneliness and this crushing weight of this world, they do not have power to drag you to hell. You are not a slave to them anymore and you have been baptized into Christ Jesus. You belong to him and there's no condemnation for you. And so it's good for us just to remember this again and again, to remember that our salvation rests on the power of Jesus Christ and his work in our lives, and that's where we can be secure, and that's where we flee when we're beat up by our sins, and that's where we go when we're pushed into despair and temptation. We flee to Christ because there is no condemnation for us who are in Jesus Christ, and we repent and we rejoice. And so Paul, in our text, he goes on to kind of uh, lay out this good news again. He says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. This is how God did it. It's a mystery. But he took every one of your sinful thoughts, he took any, every one of your selfish deeds, And he concentrated all of that sin from all the world in the flesh of Jesus Christ. He kind of lured it into the flesh of Jesus in a trap. And he took that and he put that sin in the grave with the body of Jesus Christ. And then raised him up. The law couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. Jesus himself did it for us. Thanks be to God. Now I want you to pay attention carefully to this verse as we go into verse 4, because he goes through this gospel again, that God has done all of this by condemning sin in the flesh of Jesus, but then right after this, in the same breath, he turns the corner to tell us a new teaching. Can you read this with me? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, And so I want you to see kind of two sides of the same coin here, uh, that Christ is in me, Uh, I am in Christ, that's the first side of the coin, but then Christ is in me. And notice, just like Pastor John taught, uh, it is God who sanctifies us. And so there's this idea that, okay, once Jesus saves me, once I'm in Christ, then he's going to pass me the baton and I'm going to run for it. And I'm going to run to the finish line. I got it from here, Jesus. Thank you very much. You can go have a seat on the bench. But actually, Paul is careful here to say that no, as we are in Christ, as we've been saved, it was in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Notice, it is not us fulfilling this righteous requirement. But it is the the living God within us completing this and fulfilling this law within us. But this is happening as well. The spirit of the living God is fulfilling the righteousness requirement of law inside of us. And so this is the right way to look and think about the Christian life. First, I am in Christ. There's no condemnation for me. And then second, Christ is in me. And he is rearranging my life. He is changing my life. He is fulfilling the law inside of me. And so it's just like 
If you got a new roommate, right, living in your house, in your space with you, you know what? Eventually, they're going to start making some changes to where your furniture is, right, to what food is in the fridge. Similarly, God himself has taken up residence inside of you. Do you think some things are going to change? Do you think he's going to mess with you a little bit? Do you think he's going to rearrange your insides a little bit, your mind, your thought, your feelings? Absolutely. And so I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. His spirit is dwelling in me, fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law, which is good, and also training me to renounce evil and to walk humbly with my God. And so this is the way that we want to think about our Christian lives. I am in Christ. I'm completely secure. There's no condemnation for me, and Christ is in me. Everything's going to change. Everything goes. Everything is transformed. Both of these things are happening at the same time in our Christian lives. I recently had a a chance to go visit a really good friend of mine in the Seattle area, the Northwest. I had never been up there, um, and he'd been asking me to come up and visit for like 10 years. (laughs) So I said, okay, so I'm going to go up there and Uh, We got to go hike in the Cascade Mountain Range, which is beautiful, and it's not like the Rockies because there's just so much rain there, right? Everything's just growing all the time and rotting, and it's just this incredible uh, space. But one of the things that I I really noticed as we were hiking through the Cascades is there's these huge uh, tamarack trees, the biggest I've ever seen, Uh, but they were so big that they had been cut down near the path, right? People didn't want to get squished by these things, so they cut down several of them. But one thing I noticed is there was other trees, the seeds had fallen onto the top of these huge trees, and there was a new tree growing inside a dead and old and cut down tree. And I was fascinated by this because there were several of them. I took a picture of it. Uh, But I think this is a fairly good way for us to try to grasp this teaching, for us to understand what has happened to us as we are in Christ. And it helps us to understand our new identity in Christ and be stable in that identity uh, for our whole lives. And so let me explain a little bit about this, that we are both dead in Christ, we're, we're dead in our sin, and we're alive in God. How can those things be at the same time? Well, it's hard for us to grasp, but that's what the teaching is, that you have a sinful nature that isn't going to make it, right? It's a terminal, it's, it's heading towards death. It's not going to make it, and yet you have a new nature in Christ that is going to make it. And they're both existing in you at the same time. And this really does help us to grasp the complexity of the Christian life uh, that we live now that we have been justified. And so... Romans 8, kind of eight ten, kind of helps us with this. Would you read this with me? But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we have both of these things going full blast in our lives at the same time. We're dead because of sin, but we're alive because the spirit of God is dwelling in us. And it's kind of like we are this tree. We're a tree that's been cut down, right? Buried with Christ, And yet we are a tree that's been 
given new life. There's a new life dwelling within us that will last. And that's what's going to happen with this tree. Eventually, that entire trunk is going to be no more. It's going to be gone completely. And all that will be left is a giant tree in its place that has grown up through it. And so it is with us. And this is important. Um, Other Christians have different takes on the Christian life now that we're in Christ. Some, Some Christians will say, Uh, Once you're a Christian, you no longer struggle with sin, right? Once you're a Christian, all that sin stuff is just in your past, and if you're truly a Christian, you're just going to walk away from all those sinful desires, and you're just going to be completely brand new. And everyone looks around and says, is anyone doing that? (laughs) Is that true for anyone's lived experience? And yet many Christians do hold that this is what it should be like. And so if you begin to sin again, are you saved? If you fall, are you condemned? Right? They have no room for this tension of the Christian life. They say, oh, the tension is solved. You're completely new. You've walked away from sin. So either you're going to be a liar, right, or delusional. Because the truth is we daily sin much. And the most sanctified people among us are the ones who admit it most freely, not the ones who hide it. Other Christians will say, well, it's kind of in process, right? You're, You're progressively becoming more and more holy, more and more like a saint, right? And so you're growing in this, right? And so... Your old, dead sinner is is getting reformed in you. You're getting healthier. You're getting better. And then all of a sudden, you have this terrible sin in your life that you cannot conquer. And you think, maybe I'm just all the way back to square one. I have to start all over again, right? And there's, there's no room for that tension. Here, the Bible teaches there is a tension in the Christian life. That our sins do weigh us down. They do come out of, out of us, there is a sinner within you that cannot be reformed and cannot please God and still is under, under the righteous condemnation of the law, right? And that sinner dwells within you. And yet, your true self is what God has created in you in baptism. That is what will last into eternity. But both of these natures are dwelling in you at the same time. And this can help you to make sense of your Christian experience. I don't feel like a Christian. No kidding. It's because you're actually also a sinner. right? You're actually also having this sinful nature within you. You are both dead in sin and alive in God. Both of these things are happening at the same time. And so to be a Christian, we can kind of begin to grasp this. I am... I'm never going to outrun the sinner within me, and neither are you. That sinner within you is always going to be there until the day you die. And you might as well get used to it. You might as well be aware of that. You might as well start to know that sinner and his tricks so that you can repent more easily and more effectively. So you can know the truth. I'm not going to just get away from this sinful person. Uh, I am always going to need the help of my God to put that sinner in the ground and to live again in new life. I'm not going to get over this, not until I die. But this is the good news, 
right? That the outcome of this for you who are in Christ Jesus, is it condemnation? No. The outcome of all of this struggle, of all of this battle, is victory in Christ Jesus. And that's what we cling to. Uh, And this is what the text tells us. Let's read this one together. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The beautiful gospel is that because there's no condemnation for you and because God has taken up residence in you by his spirit and created a new person in you, the outcome of all of this is victory for you. The outcome is resurrection for you. If God has taken up residence in your heart by baptism through his spirit, your fate is the same fate as the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the dead by the same spirit. So if that spirit is dwelling in you, which it is, he is dwelling in you by your baptism, your future is none other than resurrection. And this is the the good news, the the hope that we hold on to. And so, yes, in our daily daily experience, you're going to struggle. You're going to have falls to sin. You're going to get up and you're going to fall down. You're going to take one step forward and two steps back. You're going to be wrestling with this all your days on this earthly life. But then at the end, that sinner will be no more. And all that will be left is the new person that God has created. You will be freed from sinning, and you will be resurrected apart from your sin. Thanks be to God. And so this is the hope that we hold on to. Uh, The the book of 1 John really helps us grasp this. It says, you know, we don't know what we will be when we are uh, at the end. We don't know. He says, we are children of God now. And we don't know what we will be, but we know that we will be like him, for we will see him face to face. The gospel says that one day you will see Jesus face to face, and you will be like him. You will be freed from sinning. You will be freed from the battle. And all that will be left is victory. Uh, Come Thou Fount, we just sang it, gives us another good picture of this. It says, O that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Clothed then in the blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy wondrous grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransomed soul away. Send thine angels soon to carry me to realms of endless day. After all the struggles are done after all of the wounds of sin are done after the Lord comes and takes you home you will no longer know the struggle of sin right but you will be only what God has created you to be in Christ Jesus because God creates in you what is good and what is lovely and what will last and that's who you truly are in the name of Jesus amen Thank you.